Good morning. I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh, welcoming you to the October 30, 2018 edition of Ask a Leader. One week till the midterm elections, folks, and today is the deadline for your absentee ballot filing, and today is full service voting early at the pop-up at UCI at the Flagpole Pavilion adjacent to the administration building. Today, we continue local election coverage with Irvine City Council candidates Kev Abizajian, UCI physicist, in the first segment, and in the second segment, Frank McGill, an urban planner. After the show, listen for a podcast we'll conduct later this morning for City Council candidate Farrakhan. We'll be right back after a short station break. Welcome back to the show, everyone. My guest in this segment is UCI astrophysicist and city council candidate, Kev Abizajin. He also serves as the director of the Center for Cosmology at the university. His work includes studying the origin, structure, and composition of the universe and fundamental physics governing it. He's flipping the perspective completely to run as a municipal candidate. Ha! He's a member of the executive board of the Center for Cosmology, the Department of Physics and Astronomy at UCI. And prior to coming to UCI, he was assistant professor at the University of Maryland. He was director's postdoctoral fellow at Los Alamos National Laboratory Theoretical Division and was a research associate at NASA Fermilab Theoretical Astrophysics Group. He earned his bachelor's of science at the University of Houston at University Park and both his master's of science and PhD at UC San Diego. All this work in the era of politicized climate science brings him down to earth in the muck of the crossfire of, of c- climate skepticism, which he's you know, bringing to some civ- civic leadership. Kev serves on the Cal State University UC Cal Bridge undergraduate program, the UC Irvine Council on Faculty Welfare, the American Association for the Advancement of Science, the Friend of Science Network, Union of Concerned Scientists, the Board of Advisors, and California Coordinator for 314 Action, the Armenian National Committee of America, Armenian Assembly of America, the American Astronomy Society, and the American Physical Society. Kev's cut his teeth on civic engagement and politics dating back several decades in the western states. Hence, endorsements include the Sierra Club, Orange County League of Conservation Voters, Southern California Armenian Democrats, Armenian National Committee of America, and 314 Action. And uh, he is making his way to the studio. He's not joining me in the studio yet, but he will be. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Kev Abizajian. Thank you so much, Claudia, for having me on. Well, uh, we're going to be asking everyone that are on, well, most of people, I haven't gotten answers back from a few of the candidates running for the two open seats for Irvine City Council, but we're trying to keep very comparably uh, questions to each one of you. And so we'll start, Kev, what for many years, Irvine has established and been known for its unique and visionary institution building what stands out to you as something worthy of building upon? 
Well, I, I mean, the thing that comes to me right away is the university. Um, the university was founded as a kind of a founding institution for the city, and um, it predates the city by about six years. And, um, you know, it was uh, uh, the jewel. If you look at the original plans uh, that Pereira made of the city, uh, the, the streets of um, Culver and Jeffrey are like a necklace, and um, uh, when Jeffrey turns into the university, that, ne that necklace crosses, and UCI is the jewel at the end of that necklace. And, uh, you know, that symbolically represents the role that UCI has played in the, the city for a long time. Um, and I think uh, it's time for this, the university to actually take a bigger role in this community today. Well, so actually, in the earliest parts of your campaign on your stump, um, I've heard you talk, uh, make some interesting connections also with the city and the uh, the town and the gown with respect to uh, the ozone layer. Right, yeah. So, the, uh, you know, UCI's role in the city uh, uh, you know, predates it, but also is really integrally part of it um, from the 1970s until today. And in the 1970s, UCI had a, a really remarkable um, uh, role in, uh, in shaping the future of uh, an environmental uh, catastrophe that was unfolding, which was the destruction of the ozone layer. And uh, in the 1970s, uh, Sherry Rowland, working with his postdoctoral scholar, Mario Molina, they found that uh, chlorofluorocarbons, or CFCs, were destroying the ozone hole. And uh, well, they, well, they destroy ozone in particular is what they found in the lab. And then they modeled what it would do in the atmosphere, and they found that um, that, that uh, would be destroying the ozone layer. And this was originally just from modeling, but they actually found that it was also occurring um, uh, actually in the real atmosphere in the 1980s. And this actually led to, uh, you know, prior to any other municipality taking action, it was actually take, the action was taken by um, the city of Irvine. Uh, the city of Irvine was the first municipality to comprehensively ban CFCs altogether. And uh, the historians of this policy epoch say that was actually crucial to get other municipalities and uh, institutions and governors or governor, governments on board to uh, the banning of CFCs uh, in the 1980s, and uh, also to passing the Montreal Protocol, which was an international treaty that banned CFCs globally and put in a process in place to do that. And in uh, 1995, Sherry Rowland and Mario Molina were awarded the Nobel Prize for this work um, of uh, basically solving the ozone hole problem. And... Uh, you know, the magnitude of the problem is actually hard to overstate because if the ozone layer were to be destroyed, we would actually see uh, plant life be harmed at temperate latitudes and even tropical latitudes because UV radiation would harm the plant life and entire ecosystems would be destroyed. Um, so, 89, they passed the protocol, and in 1995, Mario Molina and Sherry Rowland got the Nobel Prize for this work. And in 2006, 
the ozone hole stop expanding. And this is a, a huge, um, huge positive uh, outcome of something that started right here at UCI. So we're getting a, a, a flavor of the multitasking city council candidate, Kev Abazadjian, and we can envision how this translates into some... Uh, yes, we're here. Are you here? I'm here, so I'll walk into the studio. Okay, you got the door up opening now. up. <laughs> we're going to get him plugged in to the microphone right there. He was just talking about the uh, the model ordinance for for all time out of Irvine, with the, uh, the addressing the CFC consumption, and then we're I'd like to have Kev then talk about that. That's a model that that was those that's evidence of what municipal leadership can do. What is your own vision of what you would do with municipal leadership? Were you on the council serving, Kev? Well, um, you know, with Irvine being such a leader in the past and uh, being a place that actually is such forward thinking and a positive um, kind of framework that they um, that they really uh, have uh, based their their uh, their you know vision on uh, it's actually been such a desirable place to live because of this kind of uh, forward thinking inclusive framework evidence-based value-driven uh, um, community and so um, uh, that's that's really something that's that's led to um, UCI you know being an integral part of that that relationship with the city so um, I think a lot of the positivity and the, the um, uh, kind of uh, community driven um, framework that was uh, the founding of, UC, of Irvine and the city uh, has kind of been lost in the past 10 years or so and uh, particularly in the eight years that I've been here, you've seen that the city council is actually completely detached from the community and its values. If you see that what this community is, it's actually progressive, it's inclusive, it's diverse, it's a uh, wonderful place to live because of that. It's got a majority minority population um, and a majority or about half of the population are immigrants. So, um, like me, I came to the U.S. when I was five years old and um, uh, escaped the Soviet Union with my parents and came to the land of the free. And uh, that's the same kind of vision that draws a lot of people to the U.S. and particularly to Irvine. So, right now, the city council is actually uh, exclusive. It's narrow. It's not data-driven. Well, we'll get we'll get into some of those things for sure. comparable questions with all of the candidates. So, uh, well, we'll take that up then. Uh, the Senator Mayor Wagner uh, put out uh, twice now on the agenda before the City Council a, a measure to uh, defy, if, if, if in effect, uh, the Senate Bill Fifty Four, the Sanctuary City measure. How would you handle that? measure that he put on the agenda that was it was postponed we it may still come back because it, it seems to be a, a, of interest to him how would you handle that were you serving on the council kev well i plan to be and hope to be on the council with the voters of irvine weighing in right now including on campus you can go to the flagpoles and vote anybody that's a registered voter can go and vote right now at the flagpoles at uci or if you're not even registered to vote you can come and vote provisionally and your vote will be counted if you're a valid voter or eligible to vote 
So um, how to handle that is, um, you know, we have to speak forcefully for the communities that uh, have to be served by our city. And those communities include immigrants. As I just said, we over about half of our city are, are immigrants. And um, they have to be able to trust local officials. And in particular, they have to be able to trust the police. If something goes wrong, property crime, or even worse, violent crime happens to them, they need to be able to contact the police no matter what, no matter their documentation status with the federal government. And if they can't, that means that crime is something that gets that they will get away with uh, the criminal will so we need to you know speak in on behalf of immigrants uh, of all backgrounds of all documentation status and make sure that they are comfortable coming forward to the police if a crime occurs uh, I'm lucky enough to be married to Sharis Kubrin she's a professor here at UCI and um, she's a uh, professor of criminology law and society She's uh, definitely uh, the better half of me. And um, she's uh, written in the public policy uh, and politics uh, journal or, or newspaper called The Hill that uh, sanctuary policy is actually good governance. And it's because of this reason. It's good governance because it, it protects communities. It protects the relationship between communities and the police. And uh, it um, uh, will reduce crime and also is more humane and really just leaves federal law enforcement, federal immigration enforcement to the police, uh, to the federal government. So, um, uh, yeah, so I would actually speak forcefully against any measures to try to get Irvine police involved in federal immigration enforcement. And I think the, ma- the mayor is uh, majorly wrong in trying to change that. For those of you who've just joined us, my guest is Kev Abizajin, running for one of the two open seats on the Irvine City Council on our midterm election ballot next week. Kev's day job is UCI astrophysicist and executive board member of the Center for Cosmology. And so in the after hours, he's actively uh, involved as a board member of 314 Act, which promotes STEM education and careers. So uh, all the I've been taking every single survey that's coming in, my landline. i got to keep that landline. Never know what I'm going to need for civil emergency. So uh, all of the survey push questions I'm getting that are obviously for municipal candidates, I'm getting they're all about traffic. Is there anything like smart development on candidates' minds that deal with what, uh, either in terms of the development orders that are issued for for housing units or for uh, actual incentivizing for net zero kind of transportation choices? Uh, Yeah, so what's amazing about this entire race is that every single candidate, almost every single candidate, is talking about their traffic plan that they've got a detailed one to reveal to everybody on November 7th, the day after the election, and they're going to solve everything. And, uh, you know, this is the same thing that we've heard every two years because we've gotten an explosion of growth that has led to enormous amounts of traffic and no other ways of getting around other than cars and roads. And, uh, you know, Irvine, as I said, is a visionary place, and it needs to uh, be that way in terms of its modes of transportation. We're really far behind our local regional counties like L.A. County, San Diego County, and having multiple modes of transportation uh, like, uh, you know, better busing, better uh, uh, things like streetcars, trolleys. You see the trolley system in San Diego is actually getting expanded to go straight through the heart of UCSD. And uh, we need 
that to happen right here in Orange County and right here in Irvine. Wait a minute. Fixed rail and beautiful, lovely, luxuriating La Jolla? Fixed rail straight (laughs) through the heart of La Jolla. That's right. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So, um, and I mean, I'm still looking around. I use my bike whenever I can, and I'm looking for incentives for either what UCI's role is or where developers put in infrastructure that accommodates locking up our bikes, uh, our access, uh, ingress, egress with uh, uh, safely with our bikes, how we how we can use the traffic lights to, you know, to cross. There's some really awkward gyrations. And not, so that's a yeah. that's a the nano detail for a cosmologist, I guess. Um, so but I, I don't know uh, in the development order that you're securing from a development a developer, what would do in terms of the spatial relationships in signing off on either the special permits where there's a, a, a boost in density that's being considered for development order or in, any other thing that has an effect on upping the, the traffic quotient. Yeah, we need to really rethink what's going on in Irvine. What's going on in Irvine is a complete detachment from the original master plan that was worked out in the 1970s. And uh, the kind of rapidity of growth and the lack of the resources in that to serve that growth is felt by everybody. It's felt on our roads, it's felt in our shopping centers when you can't get a spot to park, and it's felt in our schools. There are parts of Irvine where the enrollment was 35% higher, I'm told, by school board members than it was expected this academic year. That's unacceptable. This needs to change. We need to have a better relationship with how growth is affecting everyday lives of our of our community. So one thing about development, and I have to bring this up because it just happened this weekend, is I was attacked with a hit piece from a political action committee that is funded by the second biggest developer in Irvine, Five Point. Actually, they're not based in Irvine, they're an outside entity that uh, wants to basically control the Irvine City Council. They've got their favorite candidates, and uh, I'm not one of them. So they actually waged through a pack a hit piece that was completely false and frankly slanderous against my personal character. And uh, they claimed that I used government resources uh, illegally to, for political activity. They claimed that um, I want a homeless tent city in Irvine, which couldn't be f- uh, further from the truth. And uh, they claimed that I'm a politician, which is, um, I don't know, I guess maybe that's an insult to them because they're all politicians. Uh, that are waging this against me. Um, but uh, I'm not a politician. I'm a professor, and I've never worked in politics. I've never worked for elected officials. I am a concerned community member that wants to serve this city. And, um, uh, you know, I think I'm, I'm really disappointed in uh, the leadership at Five Point from funding, the, being the majority of the funding for this Do you know what the name piece. of the pack was so that people can t- look at their... The, the mailers, because we're still getting mailers. Uh, actually, they're picking up exponentially. But what? Yeah, so the major PAC that's funding it is called Alliance for Jobs and the Economy. Okay. And if you look at that, it's got more than half of its funding from Five Point itself. Okay. I've been in contact with their PR person who hasn't returned my calls. Um, his name is Steve Cherm. I'd uh, love to hear from you, Steve, if you're listening. Um, and I've also been in contact with my opponents that are being supported by that PAC. Carrie O'Malley, Anthony Quo, and Don Wagner, the mayor. And uh, I would expect them if they, uh, you know, if I was having a pack uh, waging false, seriously false allegations of illegal behavior on an opponent, 
that they would denounce that action publicly and ask for it to stop. That's what I would do. That's what I would expect them to do. And I haven't heard it. So let's move on to then that it, it overlapping what you're talking about that uh, the emergency housing resolution uh, with the parcel that was designated but it was signed off on by the city council to, up to two or so years ago but the, the with the hot housing market in Irvine squeezing the middle uh, income households what measures have you in mind to address this then right so if you look at what's going on in Orange County now we've got uh, about 20% of the population that could afford the median income house. And that's unacceptable. That means we have a housing crisis, and you see it every day with people not be, uh, being able to afford this area. They're having to be inland in the inland counties and then have to travel into Orange County and Irvine to work. And, uh, you know, uh, you, you're not going to build your way out of this problem if you build only to the top of the market and not for the workforce that works here. And uh, Irvine has actually been visionary. As I've said, it's it's a visionary place. It's the only city in Orange County that has an ordinance to require affordable housing uh, and housing affordability. And uh, 15% of any new development has to be for the median income level or lower. And um, we're actually behind in fulfilling that requirement, which is one of the problems here in Irvine. And we need to make sure we properly uh, fulfill that requirement and actually look at expanding that requirement because squeezing in 50% of the population into 15% of the market is, uh, you know, arguably not enough. And so we need to look into that requirement and we need to make sure that that happens. So outside of that kind of uh, ordinance, though, uh, we need to look into the kind of housing and development that the state envisions for our state, and that is high-density housing served by transit and um, that's called transit-oriented development, and uh, uh, we need to look at both having mass transit and housing uh, be put together so that we're not simply beholden to the 3,000-pound device that we often get into or basically get into every day to get around. So over the primary, the city spoke. Admittedly, it's an advisory, non-binding measure, but this constituent spoke, 63% of us, to affirm the original plans of the Veterans Cemetery. What is your position with where we go with that constituent request? Yeah, so I've been uh, opposed to the swap of the uh, location of the Veterans Cemetery from the beginning. I wasn't on the ballot in June, so I didn't take a very open position about this, and I wanted the voters to decide. But I've uh, consistently been opposed to that swap the way it was uh, designed. Um, and that's because it took decades and years of planning to get to the location at the ARDA site. And uh, we need to respect the, all the players that were in place uh, back in 2014, 2015 when this was come to. That included the city. That included the Orange County uh, Memorial Veterans Park group. That included state officials and included the uh, state level electeds. So we need to respect that decision and go forward with the ARDA site. And uh, that's what the voters also voted for in June by a nearly two to one margin, even though, again, Five Point spent $900,000 trying to get yes on the actual swap. And the voters saw through the kind of uh, shenanigans that were being put through their mailbox and voted two to one against it. So I, th I hope the voters again choose people 
that are and options that are not supported by Five Point. I'm asking everybody too. This is a this is a kind of a one of my little outlier kinds of considerations in terms of quality of life and in terms of security. There's this notion of social infrastructure. And I've, all my listeners have been hearing the last several weeks about Eric Klinenberg, or Kleinenberg. He's written about this in Palaces for the People. And he's looking at, for the classic social infrastructure he was referring to as the public library. It's a place for civil emergencies. People got to get out of a hurricane or uh, are displaced from... Uh, an earthquake or something like that. It's also a congregating place, and there's this intangible value of people being gathered. I even see it. These the so there's social infrastructure in the a a pop up like the weekly farmers market. People are desperate to congregate and process what's go, what are the developments of the day. So, Kev Abizajian, what um, what are examples that you would consider or opportunities for? developing further the civil and the social infrastructure inside of the city of Irvine. Yeah, if you look at um, the city of Irvine, there's um, there are some natural places that people gather for community activity. Um, like, for instance, in University Center, there's a large plaza right in the middle uh, with it ringed by stores and restaurants. And um, I sp- often spend time there meeting with, with people uh, about my candidacy. And uh, there's a lot of activity there I've gotten to know. There's Bible study groups that meet on Thursdays there right in the University Center. There are uh, folks that come together with their families and their extended families to get food and, and maybe dessert. Um, and, um, uh, you know, they hang out. And we're lucky enough to be in a place where year-round this outside area is a very comfortable and inviting place to live. And we need to build on these kind of social centers with other activities, cultural activities, educational activities. And uh, I think that would be a great way to extend this kind of social fabric that we have in Irvine kind of naturally already in the plazas in our um, community centers. So, Kev, what have you learned from residents as you've been campaigning for city council? They feel completely underserved and uh, badly served by their elected representation. And this goes to people from backgrounds of all sorts and, um, you know, people that are uh, progressives, people that are conservatives, people that are middle of the road, they do not feel that the current city council is uh, one that represents their interests over that of uh, the forces that helped get them into that elected office. And I think that that is a sad situation, and that's exactly why I'm running. And the more I talk to constituents, the more I learn that this is a feeling uh, that is very broad among people of many, many backgrounds. And I've talked to a lot of the candidates running. And you know what? Most of them are running because of this feeling. And uh, they're also of varied backgrounds, conservatives and progressives running, because they feel that a narrow group of special interests have taken over this council, and we need change. So we've got, we're down to one week. Where are some times or places and opportunities for people to get to meet you if they haven't already met you? Well, time is short. So if you want to meet me, give me a call. My number is 949-424-5141. I'll meet with you anytime that I'm actually available. I've actually got very few events uh, coming up. The number one thing right now is voter contact. 
And so if you want to meet with me, check me out, uh, you know, give me a call and I'll arrange uh, a time in your neighborhood where we could meet and have a coffee and, uh, or a beer and talk about what's going on. Um, I'll have that number uh, while I'm on the council and uh, you can reach me anytime that way. Well, that was one of our several, many candidates on vying for the two open seats at the city of Irvine. And I want to thank Kev Abizajian for coming all the way down in studio to be with us today. Thank you, Claudia. And okay. I'm sorry, my son is homesick today. That's oh, why I was late. you got to be, you got to be where you got to be. Thanks for joining us, Kev Abizajian. We'll be right back with Frank McGill, another city council candidate. Don't go away. was Johnny Costa with I think the theme that's got we're carrying today with city council candidates and what's going on in Mr. Rogers neighborhood in real time in Pittsburgh. Thank you for staying tuned. You're back with Ask a Leader. My guest in this segment is Frank McGill, an urban planner, having worked for 30 years for the Orange County Planning Department. While there, he helped create 15 planned communities and process several environmental impact reports, zone changes, general plan amendments, subdivision maps, and conditional use permits. Those things that, those are real facts in the ground. Frank's lived in Irvine for 42 years, where he's raised his sons with his wife of 44 years. Previously, he was an Air Force pilot and flew combat missions in Vietnam. As a child, Frank lived in many locations in the States and overseas, and while in the Air Force, he was stationed in many locations in the States around. He completed his Bachelor's of Arts in Psychology from UC Berkeley and his Master's Degree in Urban Planning from Fresno State. He joins me in studio making a case for why he should be one of the two city council candidates to take over one of the open seats that are there in the midterm elections next Tuesday. He joins me in studio. Welcome to ask a leader, Frank McGill. Glad to be here. So I'm asking everybody pretty much the same kinds of questions. So our listeners have a very good basis for comparison between all of you. And I want to open with this because I, I learned from the, uh, and I had an opportunity to interview our incumbent mayor right when he left the U.S. Mayor's uh, Conference back in early 2017, and I, I want to get an idea if he was interacting with mayors around the country, and if if those mayors appreciated what was Irvine about, did you know what kind of profile Irvine had, and I got a quite an interesting answer from him. So it sort of now codified my wish to find out from all candidates about what Irvine is known for. So for many years, Irvine is established, and it's been known for its unique and visionary institution building. What stands out to you, Frank McGill, as something worthy of building upon? Well, Irvine became famous as a master plan community, uh, not just uh, around California and across the nation, but worldwide. It's, it's famous for that by providing a whole balanced gamut of what it takes to have a viable, a desirable community. So that's uh, residential, uh, employment, recreation, uh, open space, uh, etc. Okay. So is there any, what would you, what would be your vision to building onto those 
that well, out? Well, the, the overriding issue in Irvine today is that we have massive development occurring without the necessary infrastructure going in first. Good planning dictates that you have the necessary streets, intersections, fire stations, libraries, schools, parks, etc., in place before the development occurs. And that's not what's been happening. That used to happen from day one with Irvine, but for the last several years, the city council has been approving developments without having the necessary infrastructure. And what I would do is to seek to put a, a cap on development, to slow it down, to get a handle on the issuance of building permits, not issue so many as have been, that are being issued currently, and then get a handle on the traffic congestion, the crowding, and other issues we face. Historically, up until about five years ago, Irvine would issue about 1,500 to 2,000 building permits a year. And for the last five years, it's been closer to 4,000 a year. And the important, most important part of that is the building permits are issued and the development occurs without the necessary infrastructure being provided. So I'm, my listeners are waiting. If they know where I'm going to go next with this. So what would you do with negotiating at serving on the city council with a developer in the development order for creating incentives for net zero transportation choices and and generally in reducing the the, the carbon footprint of the commute well, and uh, and the 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 consumption of energy at the place where the development order is being considered i think the city council should establish requirements for the developers. It's not like, would you please? It's, no, if you want to do development, this is what you must do. This is what you must do to satisfy our needs in terms of uh, traffic, schools, parks, etc. And and I think that uh, the city council for the last several years has been, been letting developers off the hook, and also they have been lowering our traditional standards and the, and the policies and objectives that are, are laid out in the general plan. They've been ignoring them and letting the developers get away with not satisfying uh, those objectives and policies and just uh, building out. So I've been hammered with surveys. Actually, I've been, I've been delighting in getting these telephone surveys. And I can tell the municipal ones by the push questions dealing with the transportation aspect. So we're we're talking a bit about it now in terms of your what you would be involved in with your urban planning background. Are there any other considerations that you would give to the transportation as it's in fact it's I'm not there isn't a single meeting I uh, I attend where the the first paragraph of the business of the day is the transportation they just slogged through. Sure. Uh, I think that by uh, synchronizing all of our intersection traffic signals throughout Irvine 24 hours a day, which isn't the case now. We only have a few that are synchronized, and they're not active 24 hours a day. Do that. Uh, there is a shuttle bus system that works in the IBC area for a short time. Expand that throughout the city for a longer period of time. Provide more uh, public transportation. Uh, allow 
and provide more alternatives for people to get to work and to other destinations without taking their private automobile. So, Frank McGill, several weeks ago, now it's about, been about a month, I had an immigration attorney on when we talked about SB 54 for sanctuary cities. It's an item that Mayor Wagner has twice placed on the city council agenda, and one council member stepped up to take issue with Mayor Wagner's measure. How would you handle SB 54? Were you serving on the council? Well, first of all, I don't. I don't think that's a local issue. I don't think people care about that so much. It's, it's as if your house is burning down and you want to talk about painting the bathroom. However, to speak directly to your question, well, some people feel like the the toilet's plugged and that they they it's really real to them whether there overall, is overall overall I don't think Irvine is is the safest city of its size in the country. We have a very mixed population, diverse population. We all get along quite well, I believe. I haven't heard people screaming for for being or not being a sanctuary city. So I, th what they're screaming about is traffic congestion and overall crowding and other related things. It's not that. But on that point, I would look to this, the police department and ask them what would be the safest thing for the city of Irvine to do. Above and beyond, beyond anything else, I want Irvine to continue to be a safe city. If being a sanctuary city uh, helps to accomplish that, fine. If it doesn't, then, you know, I want to go in the direction that is recommended by our police department if it becomes an issue. So the hot housing market in Irvine is really squeezing us. I'm in a very affordable neighborhood, and it's it's a bit of a protected kind of a housing market there. But throughout, it's it's insanely heating up. What would you do to address providing affordable housing stock? Affordable housing has been an issue from from day one. I can remember uh, when I first moved to Orange County, that was an important planning issue, affordable housing. And it will always be an important and not completely solved problem because we have a very desirable place to live and work, largely because of the weather. Now, from day one, Irvine has been very active in providing its fair share of affordable housing. The Southern California uh, Association of Governments assigns all the cities what their fair share is for providing affordable housing. Irvine has always done more than its fair share. We're not going to be able to solve this regional problem by ourselves, no should, nor should we try to do it by ourselves. It should be a regional approach, and we should do our fair share, which we have been doing, and I believe we should continue doing. Okay, so there in the, the Great Park, there's a couple of fact uh, issues going on. And so there's the emergency housing parcel that was set aside by the council. It was approved several years ago. There's that element, and I want you to also to bring up the other element of the veteran cemetery. So first, what would, how would you have managed the emergency housing set aside? I'm not familiar with that, so I okay. can't I can't speak to it. But I mean, I think the, the the overall approach should be to continue supporting our efforts in affordable housing with inclusionary zoning and taking that approach. Okay, so let's then talk about the veteran cemetery. After the primary, 
that we noticed that the constituents spoke 63% at uh, voting for an admittedly an advisory non-binding measure to affirm the original plans of the Veterans Cemetery. Your, I see your name tag and it says no on B team. So generally we understand, but why don't you break it down what your disposition is up there with respect well, to many, the Veterans Cemetery. Many years ago uh, at the onset of the Great Park, there was a lot of, of planning, a lot of public input, a lot of discussion. And then over the years, it was decided that part of the great, for part of the Great Park, we wanted not just any old veteran cemetery, but we wanted a veteran cemetery that we could be proud of, that would be respectful for the veterans that served and would be inspirational for future generations. So a site was selected, a plan was done, the uh, federal government, the state government, uh, local all approved the plan, financing was provided for, and it was shovel ready. We were ready to go ahead and start doing things to make it happen. And and at that juncture, Five Point entered, uh, entered the scene with the uh, planning uh, city council and offered an alternative site next to the intersection of 405 and the 5, which was greatly inferior to the existing site. So I want to, to implement what was originally planned, approved, and financed. And, uh, and I think if we do that, it will be one of the proudest things that Irvine can do and something that we will all be glad that we've accomplished. For those of you who've just joined us, you're listening to Ask a Leader and KUCI 88.9 FM. We're available on all your usual social media platforms and on the web at KUCI.org. My guest is Frank McGill, urban planner, running for one of the two open seats on the Irvine City Council on our midterm election ballot next Tuesday, November 6th. We're covering all the local issues here. I, I wanted... Yes, one more thing. Yes. To add on to your announcement, they're having early voting today on UCI we campus. Are, we're pushing that. I'm getting it. I'm making okay. sure everybody knows that. In fact, before, and uh, you know, I'm always coming here right at the last second because there's always something happening. So of my, all the levers that I have, Frank, I've <laughs> called I, or I emailed. Qu First, I called the UCI Today magazine, the, the, the web for oh. what the ongoing. I didn't see that pop up there. And so I talked to them about wait for the email that's going to come from the registrar voters that I'm going to because so I got a hold of oh, them. Good. They've confirmed. So we've got to get more visibility. Because, and I, as I winked at him over the phone, the administrator for strategic communications is we're all working on a, a better outcome, a higher yield of voting mm -hmm. here on this campus. And in addition to today's voting, uh, uh, early voting at UCI near Aldrich Hall uh, all week, uh, at Irvine City Hall, there's early voting. Yes, yes. And we, we keep presenting those and producing those public service announcements. And I, I'm going to run one more after this show so oh, people are right. reminded of that. We've got a good relationship with the Registrar of Voters. Neil Kelly comes down here and we oh, good. we produce spots. He does interviews every election, primary and general. So, right. so And you'll be headed down there. So that's the other thing. Folks, if you go early to the pop-up today, there's going to be candidates moving around, not even not unlike sharks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what we, I'd like to go into some of those in 
intangibles and their intangible uh, aspects of civic life. That social infrastructure is a, a commodity that uh, Eric Klinberg, a, a, an academic who in his book Palaces for the People, talks about what amenities the that social infrastructure provide in terms of a safe place for in, in case of a civil emergency or just a place to have community. Libraries are the best example, or one of the, um, his mainstays. So how might you build further onto the social infrastructure of Irvine? Well, I think that a good foundation has already been laid, and we need to continue and expand that, which is make sure we have uh, plenty of school facilities, uh, plenty of parks, playgrounds, tot lots, and easy access to all of those things, uh, and they can be easily reached. Uh, also, cultural uh, things uh, I think are important. The uh, presentation by the city of, of, of free concerts and in, in the parks, and also uh, the programs that UCI puts on for the community of a, a cultural and social nature, I think, are very important, very valuable. Uh, these are things that really add to the quality of life. Uh, it's, it's the icing on the cake. We, uh, we, of course, we, we, want, we want to have good streets and, and uh, a safe environment, but the icing on the cake are the, the social amenities that you're speaking of. So over the last weeks here, and as you're, you're campaigning and over your campaign, what have you, Frank McGill, been learning from constituents, are their concerns on the municipal level? Well, more than anything else, they are, as I thought, very concerned about traffic. They're concerned about crowding. They're, concerning about, they're concerned about the fact that uh, the city council is very much in the pocket of big developers and not responsive to the, to the citizens. They're concerned about their uh, about a lack of transparency at City Hall and the way the Planning Commission and the City Council operates. Often th things get approved with uh, little advance notice, no, uh, little opportunity for citizens to learn about it and respond to it. Um, so those are those are some of the things. Yeah, timing is it's interesting. I can remember when the Great Park consideration for the control of the Great Park in uh, 2013 before the City Council. It was in a very, uh, at a time where people were very diverted by the Thanksgiving to into the holiday sort of calendar and the both both meetings, the, the two rounds for consideration of offering the Great Park and a boost of dwelling units that would be approved at adjacent uh, communities there was all considered right around that Thanksgiving, early December calendar. And that's leadership. That's a form of leadership is scheduling and how, how much of a profile to, to give well, these things. I agree. And in addition to that, I would be in favor of establishing citizen advisory boards throughout uh, Irvine, maybe uh, four or five, uh, where city staff would inform those advisory bodies of things that are going to be happening in their neighborhood and the city overall that they might be interested in well in advance so that they can digest it, discuss it, ask questions, and respond as they think uh, is appropriate. So what, what neighborhoods around the city give us an idea where you're 
you're colliding. Well, for starters, I would take a look at what the school board has done. They've di they've divided the city up into five districts, and we might do something similar to that. Uh, but I as an example, uh, there could be uh, Turtle Rock, and, uh, University Hills, and University Park might be one area. Another area might be West Park and, and Woodbridge, uh, th that type of thing. So, and, but, and where have you been campaigning? I've been campaigning everywhere. Uh, we've had, uh, when I say we, I'm talking about the two people I'm, that are running with on me the as slate. a team mm -hmm. on the slate. We call ourselves the No on B team. Uh, that's Jackie Wood, so she and I are running for council, and then Ed Pope is running for mayor. We've had ice cream socials in several of the parks. We started at Turtle Rock, have an ice cream social. We invite, we sent out emails to thousands of people inviting them to come, meet us, talk to us, have some free ice cream, bring the kids. And then we went to University Park. We've been at uh, uh, Woodbridge, uh, Deerfield, uh, and Northwood. So we've been moving around. And then and then we've also had some pizza parties. So we had a pizza party at, and invited a lot of people to come and meet us. They come to you, too. Yeah. And, to and uh, we had one. We had two at Gina's, and then we had one up at uh, BJ's just last week. So f with the week remaining, where can listeners meet you and get to know you better? Or uh, how, well, how can they follow you? Okay. Uh, if they want to meet, well, of course, they can uh, uh, go on my website and arrange to meet me if they want to. My website is uh, voteformcgill.com. But I'm going to be out at City Hall. Well, after this interview, I'm going to Aldrich Hall to right, pass, on out, yeah, r pass out flyers uh, for the, uh, regarding the early voting. And uh, tomorrow and the next day, for every day, not today, but every Starting on Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, I will be at City Hall doing that. Not all day long. I'll be doing two-hour blocks and then coming back later. So the candidates, not just myself, but Ed Pope and Jackie Woods will be out there as well. So they can go shake our hand and ask us questions as they wish. Okay. Well, I want to thank you very much for being on Ask a Leader, for joining me in studio today, Frank McGill. I'm honored to be here. Well, thank you. Frank McGill is an urban planner. He's running for one of two open seats on the Irvine City Council on our midterm election next week, November 6th. I'm going to give a few announcements. of Today, we have uh, a the stem cell awareness is going to be held at the Gross Hall on campus from 5 until 8. And then there's the form of the Academy meeting today. Uh, please look at the UCI uh, schedule, the humanities, as well as the law school. And this is going to be processing what's happening around the country with human values. So that was my wrap today. I'm, next week, I'm going to be keeping my ritual on election days. I turn it into ask a voter. And we'll be checking in around the country. I've got guests lined up in Florida, Wisconsin, and Indiana, and they are all having very interesting elections there. And they, each one of them will bring their own personal insights of their enterprises they're working on. Talk with you next week. Thank you for listening, everyone.